Hello, it's Jack Tutor here of Attention Magazine. Welcome to Crucial Listening, the podcast where I speak with musicians and sound artists about three albums that are important to them. My guest this time is Oh Young, an Asian-American musician and composer presently based in Brooklyn. And Oh Young's work came to me through the ChinaBot record, Protector, which consists of these highly compacted, often like two minute long, noise-laden experimental hip-hop tracks. Yet this new album, Imagine Naked, coming out April 22nd on NNA Tapes, it's like a two-hour ambient record, largely founded on looping textures. And to me, the kinship between those two sounds is this interest, what I perceive from the outside anyway, uh, in the potential energy of the moment. So in the case of Protector, it's really maximalist. The moment is electrified, set alight. In the case of Imagine Naked, the moment is unspooled over the course of 10, 20 or in the case of the very last track on the record, 37 minutes, which has this slow, looping melody that changes almost imperceptibly. And again, it's like it's unpicking layers upon layers within a single snapshot. I've been listening to it loads, so it was a real treat to speak to Ouyang about the record, but also their three important picks, which I had so much fun with. Please do check out Imagine Naked. Go to oyoung.bandcamp.com and also head over to attentionmagazine.co.uk forward slash crucial listening for all the usual links. Finally, you can donate to the podcast on Coffee, ko-fi.com forward slash crucial listening as a one-off or monthly thing. Thank you so much for your support there. Just helps me cover the costs of hosting the podcast. Thank you for listening too. Hope you enjoy this one. This is Ouyang on Crucial Listening. Welcome to Crucial Listening. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on the podcast. So we're going to talk about your three important albums. Before we get to those, I want to ask about your new album, Imagine Naked, which comes out April 22nd on NNA Tapes. 
Yes. So I saw in an interview late last year where you said that you were moving generally towards like harder, clubbier sounds and Protector pulls on that a bit for sure. So how did Imagine Naked emerge in amongst that kind of general desire to make harder music that you were feeling? Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I, I feel like I'm moving into direct. I don't know. In my in terms of how I think about and listen to music, I think I'm going into full end of the spectrum when I'm of things that I want to create. Mm. So it's both. I'm interested in harder, clubbier, like hardcore music, but I'm also moving towards. Um, just the like very quiet atmospheric music at the same time. Mm-hmm. I think I've always been interested in playing with genres and mixing genres. This one sort of came about beginning of last year. I think I was, it was just like deep in the pandemic. And I think I just needed to create something that I could relax to and feel like a sense of calmness and experiment with something I wasn't, as comfortable with which is right. like stretching time and yeah playing with time especially i i think i'm i gravitate naturally towards like harder faster music um and so it's partially an exercise in doing something uncomfortable for myself yeah i was going to ask about that actually because i mean i was really excited just to see the track durations before i even listened and saw that it ended with a, a 37 minute track so that was by the sounds of it then something that you kind of preconceived before going into these pieces that you wanted to play with duration in that way is that right yeah i think so um yeah the 37 minute one i think i don't know i i just kind of was playing with how like imperceptibly can i like change this track through throughout time yeah Um, but still feel like there's a growth to it and there's like an evolution to it, but you, you just can't tell it's happening until it like has already happened. I'm curious as to whether you have, do you have music that you listen to, uh, outside of the stuff that you make that kind of fulfills that function? Like prior to, to making this record, was there music of that ilk that you would go to? There's some, um... Like I'm, I don't really, I'm not deep in ambient music. Like, I like to make it, I mm-hmm. listen to it, but I, I wouldn't consider myself someone who like knows a lot about it. Um, and I guess on some of my other records, you can there's like some tracks that are very atmospheric. Mm. Um, some of Eve Toomer's earlier work I really love. Like, that is very atmospheric. I don't know if it's considered ambient music, but. Yeah, I don't know. Like, obviously, I I used to listen to William Basinski a lot. I used to, when I was, like, younger, I I would listen to those YouTube mixes that are just, like, you know, Justin Bieber slowed down 10,000 times. (laughs) Um, Or, like, random, like, pop songs that are, like, stretched out. Yeah, I don't know. Just on Bandcamp, I just, like, find random, random ambient artists that I listen to and... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not really thinking of a lot of names right now, but yeah, that gives a good sense. Yeah, nice. And 
one thing that's at the center of this record as well or seems to be is vegetal scape by titran lee mm-hmm. so yeah how did you come into this poem and how did it come to be at the center of imagine naked so i made this record in three days I, I, it took a f- like a few weeks of mixing wow. but I, I made it over a period of three days and i think during that week i was listening or i was at a zoom poetry reading for one of uh that t was reading in and they read this poem and i don't know i feel like the poem just felt so connected to the music i was working on Mm. um and every line like ends with an exclamation point i don't know i was just like playing with how like and a different track seemed to just like fall into different lines of the poem and there's someone who i really love and have worked with uh we used to work together at a nonprofit together in the past um mm. so it just felt like a, a really strong connection to the music at the time yeah and i feel like it really adds a dimension to the the music that i, I never really had the words for mm. if that makes sense well i've been adoring this record since it oh thank you popped in my direction so i'd really implore people to check it out there's also a, a beautiful video you put together as well mm-hmm. i mean in fact that video i mean was that something that kind of flowered out of the the poem kind of laying a conceptual groundwork for you or yeah how did you arrive at the the video yeah i think the poem like t drawing so strongly on their work from their life and this record being some sort of a for me where i feel like i couldn't have made this two years like three years ago it would have been i wouldn't have been in the right place mm-hmm. um and the video is just like found footage from my iphone from the past two years during the pandemic and as well as like journal entries it's sort of like a video poem of my own. I don't know. I think it encapsulates the feeling of the album and the songs. Yeah, I think it, it just worked out. It was like a emotional connection. It's so lovely. I mean, we talked about duration here, but the sense of collapsing or refracting time that's portrayed throughout the video and also the record as well is really appealing to me so um yeah everyone please check it out i'll put links in the show notes and oh young let's talk about your important albums now so one thing i like to ask at this point is how you thought about the term importance when coming up with your three records so was there a way that you thought about the word important in order to come up with the list that you did yeah it was a little hard it's it's hard to like choose three records you know i feel (laughs) like yeah because there's so many different records that like I feel like influence so many different aspects of my life and my work. So I kind of chose strategically like albums that are important to me in the sense of an influence on my work and like how emotionally I've connected to music in the past. Mm. Yeah, so I important to me was a combination of how influential they were on my work and like as an artist and also um, 
just like how it hit me at my core nice so let's go for your first one which one do you want to talk about first um i don't it doesn't matter to me do do you want to choose (laughs) or should i choose i've got them in an order in my list which is totally arbitrary so should we go for under the skin first sure sure ace so this is the mika levy score for the film under the skin so yeah Yeah. give me a little introduction as to why this one is important to you so i'm a film composer when i'm not doing my o young stuff uh, Mm. my solo project and i think when this score came out it really changed the way i thought of writing music for films and um yeah i don't know it's just such a intense and textural score but it the way it um draws out the emotion it's so unsettling but also beautiful and i just find myself constantly returning to it for inspiration when i'm like when i'm working on music both as o young and both as a film composer do you remember how you first came into the score was it in the context of the film yeah so i think i saw the trailer for the film i can't remember if the music's in the trailer but i was like was intrigued by it and i watched the film yeah it was through watching the film and ever ever since then i've been listening to the score yeah i read a bit about glazer and levy's dynamic when they worked on this one where Mm -hmm. glazer would give a bunch of prompts like what does it sound like to be on fire or imagine telling somebody a joke but it doesn't land and their reaction is a bit stilted oh Um, i didn't know that that's that's interesting yeah i'm wondering within your own film composer work i mean how does the dynamic tend to work with the directors in terms of how much freedom do you end up with when composing the work and what's that dynamic like with you and the director well it's it's completely different with each director Mm. um a, a lot of it is like directors providing like temp music temporary music and being like what and then I, i'm sort of like i listen to it and i'm like what do you like about this temp music like why did you choose this what don't you like mm. to like really get a sense of like the soul of like why they chose it versus trying to just recreate the piece of music exactly but so a lot of the times it's either starting with music or just talking to the director like in depth and trying to get in their head um i like the prompt idea though but a lot of the times like these a lot of like films have such a fast turnaround that a lot of the times i feel like there's almost not enough time to to play like that right yeah well because that feels like quite an open-ended means of instigating something whereas i heard yeah another aspect of uh this under the skin score was kind of the use of restrictions on mika as well and i i understand yeah. when i read an interview with you that that was something that had also played a part in your own film scoring work i mean what does like the application of of restriction within what you're composing how does that bring a dimension to, to to your film scoring work yeah i i also read that about mika and 
I've, I've like tried that a few times. It definitely makes you think differently of the instruments that you select and choose to be the container where which you work in. Um, so like if you need if you're trying to get a certain sound and you can't just bring in a different thing to achieve that sound you have to mm. be like how do i like make this sound with this instrument like and it makes you think in a more experimental or uh in a way that you normally wouldn't use an instrument which is which is leads to really good results usually the um mention of like the uh the way that you felt about this under the skin score i mean immediately brings me back to my own personal interaction with it to begin with i think it's one where I, i've only seen the film once i've probably heard the music more but that score is Same. seared into my head like I, I, don't, I don't think there's another score that has lodged itself that deeply you know mm -hmm. it feels like a, a kind of touch that i can recall on my fingertips just thinking about it what is it about the texture of this score that appeals to you i mean i understand that viola was at the center of it so yeah, what what is it about the texture of it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's partially the that restriction where like I don't know what they did to the instruments, but they don't they just sound just a little fucked up, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> Yeah. They they're stretched or they're like pitched down, they're um processed in really incredible ways. I'm not the most like I enjoy digging technically deep into certain things but i'm also just i'm not a super technical artist where mm. if i just if i i focus more on like the feeling of something so yeah i don't know i just it just feels good <laughs> <laughs> and are there other film scores or film score composers that protrude in your head as being particularly impactful on the way that you approach what you do yeah, I'm obsessed with the score for um, Akira mm. by uh, Gaino Yamashiro Gumi. You know, maybe I could have chose that album, actually. Right. <laughs> I totally forgot about that one. But um, Also important to, yeah, or yeah, maybe more important, but they're both like, maybe the, yeah, my two favorite film scores. Yeah, a lot of, I love a lot of Johnny Greenwood's work also. Yeah, and a lot of like his influences, like Christoph Penderecki, his choir music has been used in a lot of films. Yeah. Oh, young, let's go to your second important album now. So next on my list here is Dean Blunt's Black Metal. So Yeah. Yeah, tell me a bit about why this one's important to you. Uh I don't know. I think like when I first discovered Dean Blunt's music, it like flipped a certain switch in my head. Mm-hmm. I feel like listening to Dean Blunt's music made me realize 
I don't know, you're allowed to do anything you want. Like, <laughs> yeah. And that there's like a, if you can touch the soul of what you're trying to do, like, it's not about sound quality. It's not about like high fidelity. It's not about anything other than like, yeah, I guess like, I love how he, how lo-fi a lot of his music is and how it mm. works and how he switches genres so fluidly and, um, like a lot of it is is sort of this like folk ballad feeling that like drudging through the mud um but mm -hmm. like in a really beautiful way and also a lot of it is noise but i don't know in like a beautiful way also I'm trying to think of other descriptive words but um yeah is there a reason that black metal protruded as the record that you wanted to pick from Dean? Uh, I mean, I was trying to decide between the Redeemer and Black Metal. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I would have done the and same. And I think it's like I think what what made me choose between choose Black Metal is I have the vinyl. My partner gave me the record, the the first flap thingy that you take it out of is black, uh -huh. pitch black, and then the inside jacket is pitch black, and then you open it and it's two different records and each record is completely black mm -hmm. and nothing identifying either side of either records um and i think that's just very indicative of his style and his like playfulness and like how he how he operates and how i how it, that i think that playfulness resonates with me um that he's like doing things for himself and like as sometimes as a joke with the audience or like against the audience <laughs> yeah um yeah i don't know I, I love it and yeah black metal i guess the like musically i'm not exactly sure about why that one in particular but i mean i just love the love the music in all the ways that i was saying yeah i think it's got one of my favorite introductory tracks to a record ever it's unbelievable mm -hmm. um and it starts with that or quite soon kicks in with that sample of big star with those lovely strings but again yeah i love the way oh. he uses samples yeah um that sample also the sample that opens the redeemer which is not even a sample he just like ripped that <laughs> track from casey and jojo but it's so good and yeah. like i love that he does that like yeah, I was going to, in fact, ask you about his sampling. We're, we're touching on it now, but it always feels so unexpected as well. Like, um, there's a big collection he put out, I think, in 2020 of offshoot stuff, Roaches, which has a bunch of really right. quite alarming sample sources on there. Like there's, you know, Incubus records, mm -hmm. Deftones records. Oh really? Yeah, it's it's really That's quite. Funny. That's um, funny. I thought my teen years kind of coming in out of nowhere in the midst of a Dean Blunt record mm -hmm. is yeah pretty alarming. But yeah, I was going to ask you. So so the sampling is that something that impresses upon the way that you think about sampling in terms of how Dean does it? Yeah, I mean, I I think I like got into making music through hip hop, through rap, mm. through like. And so I listened to a lot of uh, rap records and how producers sampled. Um, like, we'll talk later about Kanye, but 
mm. like the way Kanye samples and yeah so I was I've been sampling for a long time and you know there's always like debates on like the artistry of sampling and like what is stealing and what is you know like mm-hmm. people go all sorts of ways and then there's certain artists who just like I don't give a fuck at all <laughs> um like Dean Blunt and and it, it's sort of like I I appreciate that because I think the central the central argument of these the sampling issue is like the money and if mm. you're not making money it doesn't really matter <laughs> and I'm like I'm not really making money like I'm ha- I'm happy to pay an artist for a sample I've used if like I make any money on it like right that makes sense to me um but I'm but I think in terms of like pure artistry it's um fun to I think just taking something is a statement in itself and the way you mess with it is is interesting um mm-hmm. totally i think a lot of dean sampling enlivens that power dynamic that can exist right where it's using a sample of pink floyd i don't know whether the label paid for it but you it's so ripped out of its context and turned into something entirely dean's that it would feel <laughs> feel petty to have any lawsuit or any and a money changing right. hands completely yeah um yeah do you do you remember how you first came into dean's work how you discovered it i'm trying to remember um i don't know but there's uh it was probably just like i don't know youtube probably i would guess or mm-hmm. um through a friend i can't entirely remember um i have one interesting like dean blunt story where like i so the nonprofit i used to work at is called aaww the asian american writers workshop and we hosted a lot of events for asian diasporic writers to like book launches and and like talks and stuff and one of the writers who came this writer named Anne duplan and they uh wrote a chapbook or like a, a book of poetry or was it like a book of essays but one of the essays was on dean blunt's music and so they came into the space and i was just like playing dean blunt's music um and then we just i don't know bonded over that that's so cool what was the thrust of the essay were they focused on something in particular uh i think it was about like him as like a black experimental musician and like the how he occupies that space and like how it's um i don't know he's sort of like one of a kind of an artist and yeah i think like i'm drawn to him also as like a a black experimental musician like working in a field that's like largely like covered and like operates around like white people or like Mm. um and i think i don't know i just have my own theories but like his antagonistic relationship to his audience i think has a lot to do with race and whiteness yeah he's so overt about that on the sequel to this record like some lines that really call out that relationship with his audience being like a largely white fan base or you know particularly large contingent being white i think he has some lines that he brings into the sequel record. In fact, did you have you heard mm-hmm. Black Metal 2? What do you think of it? 
I liked it. It didn't like. I didn't spend that much time with it for some reason. It didn't like hit me like some of the other records. Mm-hmm. Um, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. And do you have a favorite track on the first Blackmail? Um, uh, I don't know him by name. Let me see. I think it's heavy. Yeah, heavy. Oh yeah, yeah. Heavy's the one I like the most. I'm yeah. just like I don't even know what I'm listening to. <laughs> it's like some string sample. Yeah. And some like strange drums and yeah, it just feels heavy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a really weird one. I think um, I saw him live. I think that was the first time I'd really connect. I think I'd heard Fifty Cent before seeing him play, and that was it. And then, wait, he Fifty Cent opened for Dean Blunt? Oh no, sorry. As in, like, oh, uh, oh, 50 the song Cent. 50 oh. Cent. <laughs> <laughs> got it. Got it. Yeah. I mean, it'd be amazing if you could pull that off. But um, yeah, so I'd literally heard that song and then saw him. The song, the song, 50 Cent. Yeah. <laughs> um, and again, one of, I think one of the, the greatest things I've seen live at all. I mean, the amount of dry ice was pretty, pretty intense. Oh, young, let's go to your final important record. So, as you hinted just now, it's Kanye West. Uh, yeah, what record have you gone mm-hmm. for? Yeah, I chose Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I grew up listening to a ton of Kanye West and as I was getting into producing and yeah, he was always, it was like him, RZA, um, like with Wu-Tang Clan's music, but like Neptune's, but, but really Kanye, I think because it was so melodic a lot of it Mm. um the way he sampled and how every record is just completely different from the last i really love that and and this record i feel like goes in so many directions and is so kaleidoscopic and all the features are just incredible and um it's so like it's introspective and yeah really dark and yeah, I don't know. It's it's my favorite record, yeah, of his. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you've pretty much answered it there, but is there a reason that this one edges as the important record in amongst his discography? Yeah, I don't know. I think he really unlocked something, like, I'm trying to think. Let me, like, pull it up. Let me look at it. But I think it's really the different sounds that he creates on this record and how like the song stru- like song structure gets really thrown out the window in a lot of these songs mm. that he's like okay like now i'm gonna just do like a vocal guitar solo for three minutes <laughs> at the end of the song because i can yeah or like this song 
it's just gonna keep going and like gonna turn into another song like yeah it's really like it's really like a film almost yeah it just it just goes and transforms and becomes do you have a favorite track i don't think i have a favorite i think it's like one of those albums that i have to listen to like beginning to end if that makes sense yeah totally um like i like a lot of the songs on their own but i think it really works so well on its own like from beginning to end Mm. and i think yeah i don't know a lot of the songs on my older records i used to try to like i guess sometimes i still do like submit to fellowships or residencies for music and like in those applications you you can only put like three work samples and i feel like a lot of the strength on my records is that of how they exist as a whole Hmm. and how like the different genres that i play with on on my records only are at their full strength when you hear it all together um and so yeah i'm always like i don't know what three to put or like they don't they don't feel the same when i separate them out um and i feel the same about this record mm-hmm. the, the my beautiful dark twisted fantasy that it has to be appreciated fully like all together this uh this question may in fact veer in the same direction i think but are there any moments when you think back through the record now that protrude as like particularly startling or rattled you in a particularly pronounced way um yeah was there anything that really jutted out for you when encountering this record or when you think back to it now i mean back when i first listened to it like i was like much deeper into rap than i am right now um and i I think i like geeked out about a lot of like the verses like Nicki minaj's verse on monster and Mm -hmm. um but i think yeah a lot of the production hadn't really been heard before like on power like just his his drums his like vocal samples um and how he like incorporates guitar in a way that isn't like cheesy or maybe sometimes it is but it's like on purpose in my opinion (laughs) yeah and and how it all just sort of like all these different genres that you don't think are going to fit together do like lost in the world with the the choir of like i guess it's bonnie Vare. um and then ending the album with who will survive in america the um the sample yeah and like the i don't know if it's a sample like the guitar on devil in a new dress um and i just think like runaway is a beautiful song Mm. the just like emotionally just those like piano notes <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and all the lights is just like i, I don't even know what i'm listening to like it's so huge <laughs> the there's so many people there's so many instruments like this the drums are like doing so much but it all works together mm-hmm. um yeah and i think yeah in my older records I have a tendency to lean towards like overly maximal. Like I have a, I have trouble when I'm working on music of like choosing what to take out mm-hmm. because I put too much in. 
and I think this Kanye record like balances all these elements like from a producer standpoint in like a really beautiful way while like being this huge maximal record mm. yeah so I think yeah going back to my my upcoming record the Imagine Naked it's sort of hard for me to do the opposite of just like one sound that creates an emotion it was really strange for me to do but yeah i don't know it's it's just different if this kanye record wasn't available to you as like the important pick would it would there have been others in the mix uh, any other kanye records that could have gone here as being particularly important mm. I mean, when I was in high school, I listened to, like, Graduation and Late mm-hmm. Registration, like, a lot. Um, I, I like a lot of what he does on on Yeezus and Life of Pablo, mm-hmm. like, as a from a producer's pr- perspective. Like, a lot of what the sounds he created on Yeezus were really inspiring to me. Mm-hmm. But none of them hit, like, like, this one, I guess. Like, Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy for me. Have you seen that new documentary came out on netflix yeah i watched the first two episodes yeah i i'm curious because you sound you're someone who has obviously had kanye in their life for a long time what did you make of it i loved it um like it the beginning they're the first two episodes lead up to the making of um his very first record um the college dropout and the amount of footage that they have recorded of like the process is so incredible. Yeah. Like it's truly fascinating for people who were really into that record and like, um, Kanye's origin story. And yeah, I don't know. The third one might be tough to watch, but I love the first two. Yeah. I finished it today. I think knowing that you picked this record, kind of galvanized me to mm. watch it but um yeah i've been intrigued to see i'm not someone who has like a really strong basis in his music it's interesting the the how the time span or the uh, the the speed of time it speeds up or throttles back depending on how much Cootie is involved in you know kanye's life which is interesting so it all gets very quick near the end <laughs> Yeah, my favorite footage is with when he's with his mom, and like you can see how important she was in his life. Mm. Um, I think it's easy to for like people to look at how his life has become and draw some sort of connections to like losing his mother, who is like obviously so important in his life. Another thing I guess I've noticed as well is without giving a lot of these records a full appraisal is like he's definitely fallen out of critical favor there's been this almost consensus that he doesn't get good reviews anymore or they're more like throttled back than they were whether they're all tapping into the mm-hmm. same thing or whether there's other factors involved i don't know yeah. but i'm intrigued as to what your relationship has been like with the albums that have come more recently say like the last three um yeah pretty distant i guess like i couldn't even name them honestly Mm. um i don't keep up with his music as like i used to 
I think like yeah, I'll, occasionally I'll listen to it and I'll be like, oh, you know, there's like a glimpse of of what I loved about his music in there. Mm-hmm. Like every once in a while, something will. I think what it, it was when it all came out, like I was always surprised by his music, and I was always inspired. Yeah, and. So I don't think that happens as much anymore. But every once in a while, something like I don't know, a synth or like a sound will pop out, and <laughs> I'll be like, "Oh, like that's that was the same feeling I used to get listening to his records." Um, but yeah, I think it's a pretty distant relationship now with his music. But I'm always following along, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does my beautiful dark twisted fantasy get wheeled out much for you anymore is this a record that you listen to much now i think i go in phases like i didn't listen to it for like many years and then i was on a trip in maine with my partner and we were driving back from this national park at like 10 p.m and up in maine like on the highway there's no lights except from the cars and so it feels like you're driving through like space basically and so i we just listened to my beautiful dark twisted fantasy while driving down like the space highway for an hour <laughs> and that was so like cool. an incredible experience <laughs> wow baby please can't let her grow up in that ghetto I've got one more question for you, which is how music tends to come into your life and how you tend to listen to it. Like, do you buy a lot of records? Do you buy CDs? Um, And how do you prefer to listen to music as well? Um, I don't really... Like, I buy music on Bandcamp to support people. I don't really... I'm not a collector. Like, I don't... Mm -hmm buy records i don't really buy tapes like if i buy them it's like to support an artist um Mm -hmm. but i usually listen on streaming like bandcamp soundcloud spotify youtube like and just a lot of recommendations or oh a lot of like on soundcloud i'll do like the soundcloud recommendations because i i started like last year i started hosting a radio show on the lot radio called stray dogs which is about uh covering different kinds of asian diasporic music um and that sort of forced me like after like the first two episodes or like i don't know shows i like ran out of music that i wanted to play and i was like oh <laughs> this has happening every month i have to do this every month don't i <laughs> and so so I yeah I just started like really digging through like forcing myself to like find new music and yeah I don't know a lot a lot of like SoundCloud like asking other people what they listen to and like recommendations on I don't know on Spotify there's like a Spotify radio thing that you can click and it brings up a lot of like I don't know the algorithm is like just really smart unfortunately <laughs> and 
it's like yeah it shows me a lot of interesting stuff and i think on bandcamp also like i think their coverage is really incredible like just the bandcamp editorial sometimes i find things instagram i think i find a lot of music through instagram yeah like people sharing music that i know um but a lot it depends like a lot of times i just am not listening to music also like when i'm working on a certain thing unless i'm hunting for inspiration i'm just not listening to other music mm-hmm. so it like it comes in waves i think of how and where like i listen well Owen, thank you so much for talking about these few records and your new record like i say it's wonderful people do check it out but yeah it's been awesome to speak to you yeah thank you yeah it's, it's so nice thank you for having me on the podcast and to everyone listening see you next time goodbye bye